and welcome to episode 1247 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, January 19th. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, how's the weather over there? So far, so good. We're expecting uh, a lot of rain coming in here over the course of the weekend. So uh, just getting ready, trying to like, you know, batten down the hatches and everything and make sure we don't get washed away. So uh, I know there's a lot of like people with some pretty serious snowstorms. So hopefully we can keep you warm here uh, for your, you know, uh, cold weather. Absolutely. It is, you know, the the dead of winter at this point, right? The winter doldrums. Uh, We did have a little false start yesterday. So if you're looking for a Thursday episode, our apologies there. It was that impending weather that uh, just seemed to be wreaking havoc on our connection. Seems good right now, though. Everything's way better than it was yesterday. I feel good about where we're at. Uh, so let's get into it. We got to finish up this third base preview here. We got through the first three tiers about, uh, what's that? Three, six, nine, 12 guys. So the top, top 12 we were looking at. Um, and, you know, we got into a lot of the studs. So now as we jump down into this next group, which I've titled on the rise, you know, that's a pretty straightforward name there that you guys can gather what we're talking about here. And again, we're going to be using ADP, average draft position since Christmas at the NFBC, if you want to follow along there. Um, let's talk about these four. One of them was discussed on the first base preview pod. So maybe you only want to give a little consideration to Isak Paredes, but Jake Berger, 158 ADP, Cabrian Hayes, 164. Alec Bohm, 172, and then the aforementioned Paredes at 184. These four guys all made some noise last year to varying degrees. Berger was probably, well, Paredes was probably the biggest breakout. He had 30 bombs. Did Berger hit 30 or did he come up short on that? Berger hit 34 home runs. Berger hit 34. Okay, so Berger might have had the biggest breakout. He or Paredes for sure. Uh, Bohm was fine. And then Cabrian Hayes with a nice big second half made sure that I was not a liar to you. (laughs) In our big debate, hey, it doesn't matter when it happens. It does. It just not feels matter. like it happens every year that like he is. Uh, Brian doubled Hayes, his home run total. Literally, yeah. what I said he could do. He doubled it. Cabrian Hayes is literally like fantasy baseball meth, right? Like he is a guy that uh, does nothing for you so for so long, but man, those those sweet moments. Those sweet moments. I'll have you coming back trying to get more the next season. Absolutely. And I am trying to get more. I'm I'm still fully in. That probably won't surprise anybody with regards to to Cabrian Hayes. But I want to start with Berger. You know, he made that shift in season from Chicago to Miami. And I was nervous. I'm not going to lie. In fact, I was I was pretty down on it, thinking like that this could be a rough move for him that that kind of curbs some of that production that we had seen wrong dead wrong he went there and continued to rake and he was awesome but now what do we think of a full season of jake berger in miami after the breakout are you still are you you in yeah i mean why wouldn't you be like he's got everywhere power right yeah like his power plays absolutely everywhere um i'm I know I've seen some people who are like oh he's gonna he's gonna regress he's gonna regress i mean yeah because he hit 34 home runs in 540 plate appearances. Like, yeah, pretty massive breakout. Yeah, like you, you add another 100 plate appearances, which we pretty, I think, 
pretty uniformly expect he's going to get six, you know, hundred plus plate appearances this year. He certainly I don't think should, he, right? Yeah, I think last year, you know, he was he was battling early on to start the season for playing time. He's not going to have that issue in Miami. Uh, I mean, he wouldn't have had it if he hadn't been traded uh, away from Chicago this year because he was just so good. So, like, I think he's one of those guys that, yeah, 30-plus home runs is pretty likely for him. I mean, I I can't imagine he loses playing time. It's all about health, I think, for Jake Berger. He's, you know, really, really struggled, you know, throughout the minor leagues with staying on the field. So far in the majors, he's actually been pretty fine in terms of his health. So I'm not super worried about it. Uh, You know, if you're looking for a cheap power source, that's your dude. Like he's just a guy that is going outside the top 150 that could hit you 40 bombs potentially. I think I projected him for 33 home runs, um, but I think that could easily get crushed. Like he's got the type of power to hit 50 if he, you know, everything came together for him. Yeah, Jake Berger. I think for those that maybe don't remember, you know, first round pick back in 2017, 11th overall, and that doesn't guarantee anything, but has some pedigree here that injuries did derail until he finally stayed healthy this year, and it was it was a pretty unfortunate story there for a while until this past season of like a guy who false starts left and right could not get healthy finally does breaks out unfortunately does get traded from the organization that that drafted him and i also think i read too much into kind of like his his uh interview after he'd been traded first off that's you know no no one loves being traded even if you're excited to go to a different team you were traded there but i'm like oh man he seems real downtrodden by this, and it's a huge park shift. Berger's going to flop. And like I said, he absolutely did not. He was every bit as good with Miami. I think he does have the big boy power to play anywhere. I like him for 30 bombs. Even if it comes with a you know 230 average, I'm not too worried about that, right? Because that's very much in the cards, 230-30 type deal. Um, but I believe he can hit another 250, maybe even better. Like I don't think he's just like a Fran Mill Reyes type, right? Where it's just all power. He, we saw him hit 303 with Miami. Now that's in 217 plate appearances. But where are you at on something like that? We know the power's there for Berger. How real is some of that batting average spike that we saw in Miami? Do you think that it is just running hot? Or could he be, I don't know, a 270 guy? Because that'd be really dynamic at that point coming after pick 150 for Berger. Uh, 270's pretty tough. For a guy like Berger, we're talking about a guy who had a 17% swing and strike rate. Um, he doesn't, doesn't make, walk. Yeah, it doesn't walk. He doesn't make league average contact in the zone. He swings outside of the zone a ton. Um, he's going to, I think, have a lot of uh, a lot of wiggle room in terms of where the batting average could lie. And a lot right. of it's going to depend on the BABIP. A lot of it's going to depend on, you know... Um, how much contact he can make. Like, I think there is, I think there's, I mean, is there a world in which he can hit 270? Yeah, absolutely. There's also a world in which he can hit 200. So, exactly. I do think um, it's a wide range. Yeah. So, I think you need to just be pretty careful about your batting average leading up to taking a guy like Jake Berger. If you've got like a Kyle Schwarber already, you probably shouldn't be drafting Berger. Um, that being said, the dude smacks the piss out of the ball like Mm -hmm. it's like 
he uh yeah his max exit velocity last season was i think 118.2 um dang which uh was sixth best in baseball yeah that that is that is tattooing it and again We've seen that with Berger. I agree, though. It is a big range because of the plate skills. He did ride a 354 Babbitt with Miami. It was 225 with Chicago. So basically, he got he ran the the bad luck in Chicago, got all the good luck in Miami. It balanced out to a 284 and a 284 Babbitt and a 250 average. That's probably where Berger's going to be. But I do think there's a at least a universe, and it's not you know some rare half percent universe where he could hit 260 270 and that that would be amazing Absolutely. but plan for about 240 with the 30 bombs i um, will right. say that Go ahead. his xba was 268 That's so nice even with a 284 I, babbitt and he's one of those guys that like could like run you know kind of run a babbitt higher than you would expect from a guy who's not very fast correct because, because of he that just power. smacks that ball. I mean, yep. just, uh, you know, like his barrel rate was pretty sexy um, in turn, you know. Uh, yeah, it was 17%, which is massive. And he had he had the seventh highest barrel per plate appearance uh, percentage last year. In Not only that with Berger, but he doesn't live in the air. Um, he yep. actually had a 43% ground ball rate, which does help batting average. And so if you're smacking, a, you know, you want to be in the air for power, of course, but when you're ripping it at, at 115 and higher on the ground, no one's getting in front of that. You know, th those are going in for base hits. So lots to like with Berger. Playing time should be on lock. I think the price covers a lot of the downside. Not all of it. He could be worse than pick 156 for sure. But I think you can take on those risks. I agree with you, though. Stabilize your batting average before you take him. Absolutely. Uh, maybe, maybe with this guy, although you, you'd have two third base only players. But Cabrian Hayes, uh, that's more of his draw is is the idea that he can hit for a quality batting average. Jumped up to 271 last year from 244. I never really thought he was a 244 guy. Doubled his home run total. I heard that he could do that somewhere. Man, that guy's really <laughs> smart. Uh, did need 10 in the final two months, but again, doesn't really matter when it happens. I do think I do think we as a fantasy community get a little too hung up on some of that. Like, oh, it happened in the last month or it happened in the first month. I don't give a shit. At it's least worth it less or yeah. it's worth more. Like, no, no. Um, you know, I'm all about being mindful of that. I love getting into game logs and, and splits and whatnot but I don't think it invalidates anything. Uh, he also missed all of July. So he gave the league a month, Cabrian Hayes did, and still doubled his home run total. Where are we at now? Uh, you were the one who was, uh, uh, you know, li little misaligned on him last year. Does anything change your mind here? Where, where do you stand with Cabrian Hayes at a 165 ADP? I mean, I've never disliked Cabrian Hayes is always, I mean, since he's coming to the league, he's been one of my, you know, kind of favorite players to kind of fall back on at the third base position. Um, largely because he is the king of making contact. Like this dude, just all he does is make in zone contact. And last year was no different. I mean, 92.4% is fantastic. Especially when you consider the league is usually around 84, 85%. Um, you know, doesn't swing out of the zone very much. You know, swinging strike rate. We were just talking about Jake Berger's 17% swinging strike rate. Uh, 
Brian Hayes is, is eight and a half percent. Like, I mean, literally cut that shit in half. Uh, that is nice for, for Hayes. Uh, I think there is a year in which he hits like 320. Just that's what I'm I, waiting for. That's the one I'm really angling for is that big season from Cabrizi. And we know there's speed, right? Like the, the stolen bases did get cut in half last year, but mm-hmm. it's hard to steal bases when you're running around or jogging around them. So uh, I would say I'd pro- I probably am not going to project much or probably any power growth. Uh, you know, he still just does not get the ball in the air enough. And that is a really tough part. He's actually one of those guys, uh, Cabrian Hayes, where like, if he were to end up in a different park at some point in his career, then we start because he he's got like fence scraping power. Um, and in Pittsburgh, he gets it sapped. You go look at like his spray chart in Pittsburgh and you go, oh, like he's getting robbed of home runs being mm-hmm. in that park. So like, you know, we talked about um, Heimer Candelario as a guy who like, oh, now he's going to Cincinnati and he's going to get extra if, if Brian Hayes ever got traded or, uh, you know, when he does get to free agency, which is going to be a while because sign a long-term deal. Like if he landed in a better park, like, Ooh, he could be like really, really interesting. That'd be a lot of um, fun. But for the most part, I think he's kind of, I don't know. He's, he's a diet Coke version of a stud, right? Like he can do everything. He just doesn't do a ton of everything. Um, which is fine. Like I love those kind of guys because I think they get undervalued in the market and they continue to leave your options open for future picks. So he steals some bases, gets a little for a little bit of power. I think the counting uh, stats and runs and RBIs will continue to get better because I think Pittsburgh is going to continue to get better and you get batting average, which is always something you struggle. You can struggle to find at this point in the draft. Yep, I, I, I agree with all that on Brian Hayes, maybe with like a little extra positivity on his outlook because I, I, I think I like him just a little bit more. Now, I'm not project, projecting another doubling of the home run total. Um, oh, yeah? You want to go out and live and say, oh, he's going to double it again? Yeah, yeah. We're not double it and give it to the next one here. By he's not 2027, he's in 89 home <laughs> runs, right? No, I, um, I, I still think 20 could be there, though. We need a full season this time, though. We still haven't seen that that big 600-plate appearance season, and we could see 18 to 20 then with the, with the nice average. I'm with you, though. I, the angle I'm looking at is is keep pumping that average. G- give, me, yeah. give me a 288 average. Uh, give me that season, even if it is with another 15 homers and you know 12 to 15 steals. But there's still a lot to like. I still believe there's upside at 27. I will have my Cabrian Hayes shares at uh, pick 165. What about Bohm? He's down at 172. You know, he is kind of the in-between of these two, I kind of think, right? Um, Where he's got maybe a little bit more power than Cabrian, much less than Berger, and then also has the average of Cabrian Hayes, right? So if you're looking at him on a spectrum from from power to from average to power, it's Cabrian, Bohm, Berger. Do we I like think, where, where Bohm's trajectory's been going? I don't think Bohm is any different than Cabrian Hayes. We well, already had 20 I, homers, so. 
I think that's because of the park. I think this is what you could point. expect if Cabrian Hayes was in Philadelphia. Um, but that's so we still have to judge them like that, though, yeah, because of where right? they are. But that, that is a good point. That there's your guy. That's that. This is what Cabrian Hayes could look like in a good park. Is what you're saying, Alec Bohm? Yeah, exactly. Like Alec Bohm is like you know minus the speed because Alec Bohm, you know, he might steal Not particularly a few fast. bases, like maybe three or four. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, but. You get a 90% zone contact rate. You get a guy who has got that fence scraping power, which in Philadelphia is a good thing because it's, you know, a small, a little bit smaller park and it's a really good lineup around him. Um, yeah. I mean, I think he's completely fine. I don't end up drafting him very often because typically I'm, you know, typically by this point, I've already got my batting average and I'm kind of looking for other things. But there are builds in which, yeah, you do end up with Kyle Schwarber and you're like, okay, it's more batting average and a guy who's not going to crush me in, you know, in the power categories while I do that, like a Luis Arise or something. So uh, I think that Bohm has his place in certain builds uh, in the same way that Cabrian Hayes has his place in certain builds. So. Uh, no problem. I think he's got a very, very safe profile as long as he's healthy. No reason to think he won't be. Yep, I, I agree with that. I think that that uh, that makes a lot of sense there. He definitely does have his place. If you're interested in an Alec Bohm, and we did talk Isak Paredes. I honestly don't remember what we said, but I think we're still pretty strong yeah. on him doing well. And at pick 184, the market really hasn't overreacted to the big season. I'm actually kind of surprised. It's a devil, devil ray. It's a ray, which people, you know, generally seem to have interest in. Although maybe, maybe that I is think, part of why is because of uh, yeah, the games that, they play with their non-superstars. I think there is this fear. And I don't think the fear is unfounded that a guy like Paredes could lose playing time if he struggled, right? Because the rays are so platoon happy. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is the rays are not as stacked as they usually are in the infield. I mean, we're talking about like, you know, the, you know, they obviously they're never getting Wander Franco back. Uh, Taylor Walls is coming off of uh, labrum surgery in his hip. Um, you know, uh, you and I both talked about, you know, Junior Caminaro and Curtis Mead. I don't know that they're even making the team to start the year. Uh, yeah. So like, I don't think there's a ton of competition, at least starting out for a guy like Paredes. So, uh, and I think there are some people who like look at like kind of what he did in terms of getting those 30 home runs uh, as unsustainable because he pulled pretty much every single one of them. But that's kind of what Paredes does. And I think people forget that Paredes was like a top 50 prospect in baseball for the Tigers before getting traded. So, and is it full power more bankable than? I would think so. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that park is kind of set up for him to do that. So Mm -hmm. there's no reason why he wouldn't continue to try to do that. So I'm not, I'm not super worried. Maybe there is some regression, but I don't think it's like massive regression on Paredes where you should be avoiding him. Um, You know, he lost second base eligibility, but he still got first third. I I mean, I got no problem taking uh, Isaac Paredes. I just think he, uh, is pretty bankable power with dual eligibility. Yep, 
I think that that makes sense first and third, by the way, for Isak Paredes. So those guys are on the rise. Let's talk some steady production guys here. We do have several guys that we've already discussed, including the aforementioned Jamer Candelario, but we got Max Muncy and ADP of 173. Then we jump down into the 200s with Jamer Candelario at 217, Ryan McMahon 227, Luis Renhifo 259, Matt Chapman 268, doesn't have a team yet, and a Eugenio Suarez at 277 has a new team. Um, let's start with Muncie. If I'm recalling correctly, let me pull this up. I think in Jeff's Mining the News yesterday, yesterday being the 18th of January, depending on when you're listening to this, or, or no, it's it's always the 18th of January. I'm citing it because you might not be listening to this <laughs> the day it comes out. That's how I should phrase that. But um, they're talking maybe some potential platooning for Max Muncie, that he's at maybe a bit of a platoon risk. I'm a little bit surprised by that just because he's been such a such a stalwart for them for quite some time now. But as they kind of continue to add pieces, they're saying, hey, he could be at some risk here if things don't uh, don't go well for him. Now, I will say he has not shown big splits, 807 against lefties, 830 against righties in his career. Now, it went to 642 against lefties last year, 881. So that was a really big split for Muncie last year. Basically, they're kind of threatening him. If you continue to do that, you're going to lose some PT. And that was in Jeff's latest mining the news there, that there could be some of that. What do you think? Um, does that change your outlook on Muncie? Was he somebody you were in on coming off a 36 homer season, but a 212 average? Where do you currently stand with Max Muncie as he enters his age 33 season? Yeah, some really interesting splits on Muncie last year. Um, really good, uh, really good piece by Jeff. Uh, I mean, as always, but uh, you know, like obviously the batting average was lower against left-handed pitching, but the walk rate was down. He had a 16.7 percent walk rate against right-handed pitching last year. A 10% walk rate against left-handed pitch. Um, now, 10% walk rate is still good, but when sure. you're hitting like 174, or sorry, let's see, uh, he was actually hitting uh, 155 versus lefties last year. Um, and it's the second year in a row where he's got a sub-200 batting average versus left-handed pitching. Like, That's becoming yeah, an issue. Yeah. Even if you are walking at a 10% rate, that's still not good enough to stay in the lineup. And it's not like he's a defensive stalwart either, like where like they can afford, like, oh, you know, yeah, you suck against lefties. So we're going to, you know, uh, but you're, you're good defensively. He's not good defensively. Mm -hmm. So um, I think there is a world in which this happens. I also don't know that they're strong enough at third base. Uh, to Maybe Chris Taylor. God, I mean, like that is the Energizer Bunny. Yeah, Just like keeps re, 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 replacing a beat up car with like a tricycle missing two wheels. Could, right? like, just could it like, be? Um, let me look real quick if he's played this position. Eh, literally six innings. No, I was gonna oh. say, um, because I think he has played some there. I was gonna say maybe. Lux moves over there sometimes when Rojas plays short. But, I think you're I mean, maybe could. better playing even Rojas at third. Um, uh, 
I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how they would do it. I think it's Taylor. Um, Taylor's the one that's that's likely to get some of that PT. Taylor's garbage too. So it's like, why it's even like garbage? Yeah, he is. He's absolute garbage. In what way um, is he garbage other than being a Dodger and you're a Giants fan? I mean, he was wasn't he pretty bad last year in terms of his? Uh, I'm gonna guess minimum play? league average type player. Um, He's Chris Taylor. I, he, if I'm remembering correctly, and I'm double checking right now. Uh, his offense was was pretty. Oh no, actually, you know what? I'm wrong. I'm and I will retract it. He had a 104 WRC plus. He had 237, but he still had over 10 percent walk rate. Um, okay, yeah, no, I'm wrong. Um, I seem to remember him uh, uh, sucking more than that. He just somehow continues to make it work with a 33 percent strikeout rate. I don't know how, but he does. That um, that is he, dodgy. No yeah. doubt about it with regards to, to Chris Taylor, but he's always backed it up with a strong walk rate at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got some pop. Of course, he can run for fantasy purposes too, had 16 bags. So yeah, he's going to get some of that third base time if if they are indeed platooning Muncie and he doesn't improve against yep. lefties. So I think that's a consideration. At 173, does that bother you for Max Muncie? I mean, a little bit because there are guys going after him that I feel much safer about their playing time. I mean, Candelario just signed a contract. He's going to play. Ryan McMahon is like, I mean, you can pretty much, you know, fill out your crossword puzzle with Ryan McMahon pen. You don't have to like use pencil because he's not, he's just going to deliver you. 22 home runs and you know halfway decent average like every year uh Renhifo has real upside if he does play every day and the way the angels are currently constructed they've got a chance he's got a chance to play every day uh wherever matt chapman signs he's playing every day we're you know now that do, do you have any at, idea on where he's gonna sign i haven't heard a freaking single rumor san francisco has been tied to him the entire offseason would you be interested and in that as a giants fan matt Chapman? i would but not for the fantasy reasons um he's just a premium defensive player yeah. and he's just a good player the, the giants have so many sinker ballers that like at some point if you're going to continue to go after these sinker ballers then you should probably get a guy who can play defense behind them um, and Matt Chapman is like still an elite defensive player. So agreed. Um, I, San Francisco makes a lot of sense. Uh, Toronto makes a lot of sense. Uh, the Yankees make a lot of sense. Um, well, I guess maybe not as much sense because they've got so many pieces already. Yeah. Um, so I mean, who couldn't use I mean Gold Glove caliber defense at the hot corner? To be quite honest, so. I mean, I think I I still don't understand like these four top free agents and in, in Chapman and Snell and Bellinger uh, and Montgomery. Like, why aren't they signed? Like, this is it is a little it, curious. And and again, the rumors have been light too. Like, it, it doesn't even feel. Like I thought once all the Japanese and Korean players had signed, we'd get like this kind of like okay, now the market moves back again, and for some reason. Um, I, I don't know if teams are like, hey, we're going to wait out these players and see. Kind of, and I, I think especially with the pitchers, that's what's happening. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, I mean, I, I, I think you start getting more worried as pitchers and catchers report if these guys aren't signed. Like, 
Um, yeah. As, as far as they're concerned, like they're still just, you know, on beaches drinking pina coladas right now. Like they don't, true. It doesn't matter but where they go. Mid Feb will be here quickly, right? Like, yeah. It, oh, it, yeah. It'll, we're, it'll sneak we're like up. three weeks away from this being a real issue. Yeah. And then if you're one of those guys, it's like, uh oh. Yep. Now I need to sign. And again, you know, I'm sure their representation's working on it and all that. I'm not, I'm not, uh, blind to that notion that just because it's not in the news doesn't mean there's any movement on it it's just been a little curious how light information has been with regards to these guys uh moving forward so we'll see what happens with them um i like chapman where do you think he goes up to when he signs let's just say he goes to the giants that will not be a huge fantasy outlook so does that increase his price much in your opinion what what, what would you think about that if uh if chapman did become a giant yeah i mean i think he would jump above eugenio suarez at 264 but i don't think okay. he's getting to luis Ranifo at 240. um i think that's fair you know Espe he, especially in san francisco because that would not really yeah. increase his outlook but again he's one of these guys who has kind of real manpower right like it's not I'm not super worried about where, I mean, he played in Oakland for God's sake. And, yeah. And, you know, and, um, 18, uh, fuck. They changed the, uh, Oracle, Oracle does not eat up righties near yeah. as much. Yeah. So he, he could still Matt Chapman can still pop 25, 30 there with relative ease and gets, you know, gets that week at Coors, you know, gets to, well, I guess there isn't really any other super friendly places in the division though. Right. Well, Dodgers is pretty friendly. Yeah, but you have to face the Dodgers. Yeah, that's true. No, because I, I was going to say Chavez Ravine, and then I was like, well, wait, you're you're still facing the Dodgers. And aren't they pretty righty-heavy at this point? Yeah. Last now, Yamamoto. Mm -hmm. Who else they got? Emmett Sheehan and uh, 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 Bobby, Bobby Miller. Miller. I knew, I knew there was somebody I loved it's that I was the, missing. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, and it's like, yeah, it's just really, really good pitching. So, yeah, so I guess it doesn't really matter. But, yeah, he doesn't Chavez get Ravine to face his own bad place to him. Yes, let the Giants pitch to him there in... Uh, I mean, I'm sure Major League teams would love coach pitch that'd be hilarious. facing this, the Dodgers. Like, yes. Hey, you get to come in and face your own pitchers, but, um, yeah. Because then they have to face their own pitchers, Yeah, too. exactly, right? It's not obvious. You guys hadn't signed all these guys, huh? Yeah. Now, how do you feel about having such a good team? Idiots. But um, I mean, I okay. think Matt Chapman is kind of who he is at this point. Um, sure. You know, I think last year, uh, I'm, I'm kind of not super worried about like the huge power drop off. I think, you know, I think he's prop Chapman is probably a mid 20s homer guy who's probably, you know, in the 230 batting average range. Um, so, like, uh, there is a lot of batting average risk to a guy like Matt Chapman because he makes so little contact inside the zone, but you know, he's going to have a 10% or better walk rate, uh, to kind of, you know, offset that, get him on base more. And because he is such a fantastic defender, he continues to be like, he's going to play every single day. You can pencil him in for 150 games. No problem. Uh, I think Chapman is, you know, kind of a boring power guy. Yes. Now, curious if you make anything of the super fast start last year, excellent beginning of the season, and then a heavy fade with only July being a good one. Like, 
May, June, August, and September were dog shit. But then April and July were great. Do you make anything of that, like the fast start and then the slowdown, or just kind of a tough season for Chapman? I think that is like I think is a perfect example of who Matt Chapman is. When like the a volatility. guy, yeah, when a guy like him is locked in, he is a potential MVP. And when he is not locked in, he is an absolute mess. And you're going to see both versions maybe multiple times throughout the season. Uh, and so, like, this is, I mean, all the people who are, like, like going, oh, my God, we've got, like, MVP Matt Chapman back, finally, you know, early on in the season. Like, you it know. looked like uh, it for a second there. Uh, I mean, I guess it I mean, did. in the first month, he was amazing. I know he was running a 485 Babbitt. Like, I understand, like, first month yeah. hotness. But he's in Toronto. Like, they had changed the stadium. Like, here we go. He's going to go crazy. And no, he did not. He decidedly yeah. did not go crazy. I mean, I think it's just always, I think when guys start off hot, like even more so than like when they have like end of the year flourishes or mid season flourishes, we have gone without real baseball for so long that we just get excited. Right. True. Like, True. you know, if it had happened in, in June, we would have noticed just because he was running so hot. He hit 15 doubles. Yeah. Like he, he was running extremely hot. Like we would have noticed, but we also would have like been like, we would have seen so many other hot streaks to start off the season. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't have been like anointing him in the way that some people were. And so sure. it happens sure. every year. I remember a year where you and I were like, Ooh, is this a new DD Gregorius? I think it could be like, um, uh, you know, I'm, uh, there, I I had draft sheet on the podcast a while back, um, and he made a really really good point. And he's like, you know, sometimes a hot streak is just a hot streak, and uh, like even the underlying numbers, which Matt Chapman's underlying numbers were really really good during mm -hmm. the stretch, can just be part of that hot streak. So don't overreact to them. Like it's I think still that's too a great point. Example. Because. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're not going to know until you, you get through it. The tough part is like everyone wants to be part of, yeah. you know, the breakout if it's there. So I, I understand you have to jump early, right? Like that's the tough part about today's fantasy game versus, you know, decades ago. You don't get to wait and just kind of see it through. Like, let's see where this is going. No, if someone's looking good early people are going to jump quickly off of like a pretty small sample too. So that is part of it. People, so. people have gotten really good at jumping on, but what we have to be able to do is jump off really quick. True. If the uh, <laughs> Henry Wilson in the chat, <laughs> it was in fact not a new DD Gregorian. Decided, decidedly. <laughs> it, it was not. But I remember like, I remember being so excited because like I you know we're you know you and I were discussing and we're looking at it and we're like so contacts up he's not swinging and missing dude. like he's, he's making really good contact like he's doing all the things I think this is like a new DD Gregorius and then like a month later we were like he may not have a job soon like hmm. yay um and, and now I think he, it's just, he doesn't yeah he's in Korea right um or at least he was I think last year so um uh, I think this is, you know, it's just a good reminder to be like, you know, guys like Didi Gregorius, guys like Matt Chapman, they're all 
major league talents. Um, and a ma major league talent can show a month or two months of just amazingness and then regress back to what they were. Um, yeah. Because they're all just premium hitters, comparatively speaking, to the field. Uh, but remember that these guys, you know, some of these guys especially have a lot of volatility. And that's why I fall back on things like zone contact rate, because I think those are indicative of guys who have just natural hitting ability. Yep. I, I think that makes sense um, a lot, especially when you're trying to analyze a, a hot streak of like, well, what, what skills are going on? And, you know, sometimes you're going to jump and like draft cheat said, the skills were there. Things looked like it was the right setup, but it was still just a hot streak and, and you got to be ready to move on. Uh, Eugenio Suarez moving to the desert from Seattle to Arizona. Does that change your outlook on him at all? Like, you know, he feels like a what you see is what you get, but anything with Arizona that makes you excited about Eugenio Suarez? Um, I don't think it changed my outlook at all. I think it is a very, very lateral move. Uh, I think Eugenio Suarez will continue to be Eugenio Suarez um, that uh, he has been, which is a guy who 25, 30 home runs, a batting average that doesn't excite you, but they hit the middle of that Arizona lineup, which is just getting better and better. Uh, what it does excite me for, though, um, and this isn't what we're talking about today, is the defense, because it was already the best defense of baseball. And in spite of, the, I think Eugenio Suarez gets this like tag of like, Oh, he's a crappy defender. No, no, he was a I crappy exactly defender why. at at shortstop. That's exactly he it. He shouldn't have been playing shortstop for the Tigers. So that's exactly um, it. Is that he, yeah, well, he played shortstop for Cincinnati. Oh, sorry, Cincinnati a little bit yeah. too, like when um, he first yeah. came up. And that's exactly it. Is that he, that gets carried, and they're like, he's a bad defender. So I agree with you. Continue about uh, Suarez at third. Like he's actually yeah, pretty but, solid. Uh, I think he's better than solid. I think he is um, an above average to pretty good defensive shortstop. Uh, yeah, sorry, I defensive third baseman. Um, and I think for some reason he still has this tag in people's minds uh, that um, he's he's bad. If you look at his savant page, his uh, fielding run average is the 90th percentile. Like he was a great defensive third baseman. Um, yeah, he doesn't have amazing arm strength, but his range is actually really, really good. And so you're already adding him on top of a really, really great up the middle defense in Arizona. And now like all those pitchers get a little bit of an extra bump for me. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, I don't think anything changes offensively for Suarez, but I think defensively, uh, for the Diamondbacks in general, like this, you know, you already had an amazing infield defense um, and an amazing outfield defense. And now the infield defense may have just gotten a little bit better. Yeah. I'm, I don't know where Longoria was with his numbers, but I feel like he could still pick it a bit. But Suarez, like you yeah, say, is legit. Longoria, but like Longoria. And he was playing every day. Yeah. He couldn't play every day. It was exactly yeah. what I was going to say. Like he was at a point in his career where he's, I think he was still a, a pretty good defensive player, but offensively he couldn't hang. And he was just, you know, he's in his mid thirties. Like yeah. at this point, he's, he's just got a lot of mileage. Yeah. On, I mean, on, on the body. me and me and my mid thirties, like I can't podcast every day. So like, you know, how is he supposed to even play the field every day? That's, that's totally fair. Right. Um, okay. Let's, let's continue to move on here. I like how let's, you didn't even challenge the fact that I'm in my mid thirties. How old are you not? 
I'm going to be 40 this year. Yeah, so you're still mid 30s. Yeah, it's still mid. Okay. Yeah, 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 that's why I thought. I, I, I thought I thought you were like 38. So you, you're gonna you're 39 going on 40. Okay, I had mm-hmm. I had a year off there because I'm like, yeah, 38. You're still mid 30s, but even 39. Yeah, mid 30s until it's a four in front of it. You're mid 30s. I think my uh, wife is uh, feeling or thinking more about me turning 40 this year because she's she or maybe she's just trying to get under my skin because she keeps making comments about it. <laughs> Definitely trying to get under your skin. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing, you know, turning 40. I don't okay. care. Who cares? Yeah, I'm, I'm with care you. Less. Let's talk youth movement, though. Speaking of the opposite of 40 here, this is a big this is a big group. We got a lot of guys to talk about here. Maybe could have broken them up a little bit because some of them are like really deep. We're going to run from ADP 175 to 515 here. But all these young guys have some intrigue, and I want to talk about most of them. Noelle Marte at 175, Michael Garcia 218, Junior Caminaro 222, Jordan Westberg 300, Tyler Black 341. Colt Keith or Keith Colt, who knows? 355, <laughs> Brett Beatty, 356, Ezekiel Duran, 395, Curtis Mead, 448, Michael Bush, 482. That should be going up, I would imagine. And Kobe Mayo, 514. So these young guys here at third base, this is a giant group. They won't all be good. I'm, I'm sure of that. By the way, I should have included Wilmer Flores in the uh, steady production there. Uh, do, do, you, do you like him at all? Pick 330? I want to cover him before we move if i knew he was gonna play every day like i would be interested in Wilmer flores but never really I does don't he yeah, has like, switched his platoon though remember he used yeah. to be known as a lefty killer mm-hmm. and now he can kind of ha- handle writings a bit so i didn't mean to dip back to an old guy there but um i, I wanted to make sure we didn't gloss over him it's so hard to know what the giants are going to do in terms of like how much does having a new manager affect how they Fill out the lineup card, like you true, know, and, um, or use the bullpen, or use our starting pitchers for that matter. Like I think there's or so s- much steel now, right? Like we, yeah. we used to talk about it before, but now with steels back in vogue, it's even a bigger deal. Of like, hmm, how much does this new manager steal? So we not not that that is a rule for Flores. Or for, anything, yeah, it but doesn't just, matter for Flores. Yeah, but I I really don't like. It's so hard to project a guy like Flores because is he going to get to 500 plate appearances? I don't know. Shrug. Who knows? Um, okay, so the youth movement here. Let's start with Noelve Marte. He's the only one inside the top 200. Premium prospect. Remember, started back in Seattle. Was part of the big Luis Castillo trade. Now he's out there in Cincinnati. He's definitely somebody that probably saw that Jamer Candelario news come across the ticker. And he's like, ah, that's kind of a bummer. But he did play 35 games at the major league level last year. Held his own with a 120 WRC plus. I mean, that's more than holding your own. That's really strong. 316, 336, excuse me, 366 OBP, 456 slug for Noelle Marte at age 21 in the majors. What is his outlook now in that crowded Cincinnati infield? Can he be the breakthrough guy who plays third? We do currently have him penciled in as the third baseman. Where do you stand on Noelle Marte at pick 175? I think the cloudy uh, forecast is warranted right now. Like I'm, he was, he was a guy like in, I think my first gladiator, I took him to be my third baseman because I missed out on a lot of the other options. Letting up Had Candelario signed yet? No. Okay. And then the Candelario signing happened and I have not gone anywhere near close to picking Marte. Uh, because I think there is a reasonable chance he starts he starts here in the minors. Um, uh, but like the conversation with 
Ellie De La Cruz um, and the conversation with Matt McLean uh, and Jonathan India is um, I just don't know what the Reds are going to do here. Uh, and uh, so I've been a little bit less excited to pick him in drafts because I'm just kind of covering my bases until we see a trade or we see, you know, we hear something in, you know, spring training. So I love the skills. The skills are great. Um, you know, he, he hit 316. Uh, and yes, he had a pretty high bat, but his XBA was 296. So it wasn't like he was like, you know, a dog shit, you know, player that just, you know, ran a really hot bat. 88% uh, zone contact is very good. Um, swing strike rate of 10.5%. Very, very good. Uh, even, you know, has shown double digit walk rates in the minor leagues. Uh, it was only 6.5% in the majors, but he only struck out 20% of the time. Like, I think all the skills are there for him to be a really interesting player. And, you know, the question is how much power is in that bat because it is a fantastic ballpark to hit in. Um, he hits the ball. Uh, on the ground a fair amount um and has kind of throughout the minor leagues um so i well i think i mean i think it's same issue with ellie right i mean obviously ellie's got more power because he just smacks the piss out of the ball but mm-hmm. um novel marte like he he's got a bunch of power on the back but he's got to raise that launch angle his launch angle is 1.9 degrees last season um, and so I think there is kind of, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird profile because you know what? It's very much like Cabrian Hayes, like, but he's not Cabrian Hayes in Pittsburgh. Like he's Cabrian, you know, he's in, he, he's in Cincinnati. He makes a lot of contact. I think there's going to be a good batting average. Um, even just if he could get his launch angle, close to double digits like i think there's 20 plus maybe even more home runs uh, obviously not a super like fast burner but we saw you know a number of stolen bases from him so like yeah if he's playing i really really like him i just don't know that he's playing yeah you know i'm i'm looking at this uh roster resource here for the reds I honestly think it makes more sense for Candelario to play third, CES to play first, and Noel May to start in the minors. Why? I think I just believe in CES more as a major leaguer. Okay, but and I understand that. I get that, like, completely. But... Right now, I've, by the way, not long-term, necessarily. I I think the Reds may believe in Mark more. Um, I don't know, man. Like he is three years younger than CES two, or maybe two years. I just history tells me that, like, I and, and this team too, they play things kind of by the book more so than calling up the young guy. I think and and giving the job to Noel. Maybe I'll be wrong, and I'm I'm open to that, and I'll, I'll gladly discuss and say, hey, I had that one wrong. But that's kind of where I see it breaking down right now. We've got CES on the bench. With uh, Candelario at first, Marte at third. Is that possible? Sure. My bet right now would be Marte to start in AAA. Just to get more seasoning. Like, I, yes, he I, did well in that is, sample, but... 
this is my fear about drafting Marte, right? Like, it's like that easily, you know, like if they decide, like, I think, I think that all of them are going to be up. Um, I still think Jonathan India gets moved. Um, And I think that this comes. I don't think he has enough trade value, man. I think they're probably exploring it and finding that nobody really wants a guy who probably has to move off of second base soon. Yeah. That's, and I mean, doesn't that's have fair. the skills to be a first baseman or the age. Like you look at all these guys, like in kind of where they played, like they all played at different positions. Like I think they want this flexibility. I think, you know, like I don't think that this is going to be, uh, a matter of like they don't the serve whatever they're they're gonna figure out the service time stuff later uh and 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 this is kind of in some ways worst case scenario because at least if like okay Marte does get sent down or CS does get sent down or God forbid Ellie gets sent down or something like that um then you're like okay now we know where the playing time is for everybody I think that it's I think what is the much more likely scenario it's none of them get sent down and it's not a matter of a one guy losing playing time, but every guy losing a little bit of playing time. Um, Honestly, though, for me, that really wouldn't bother me that much because that's that's how it is these days anyway. Yeah. You know, and I mean, a, lot, a lot of guys share time regardless. So I wouldn't even be super pressed by that if that did happen. And all, every year we have situations like this around the league um, and they all figure themselves out. Because of injuries, like, right? I mean, injuries or a player performance, like one guy isn't going to play well and he'll he'll be the guy who's sent down or one guy or two guys will get hurt. And all of a sudden, that amazing depth, you know, we say it every year with like the Dodgers. Why won't the Dodgers like trade their pitching? Because every year, one or two guy gets hurt and all of a sudden that they don't have amazing depth. They just have normal depth. And Um, that's why I, I have been saying that I don't think that they make a trade either. Cause I think they need the depth and as much as I, I, I raised my eyebrow on the Candelario signing like everybody else did, but they're saying, Hey, we got a guy who we think is a fair price mm-hmm. to further give us depth and not put too much pressure on Noel V. Marte and CES if we don't want to. And now we just, we're, we're so rich in hitters yeah. right now. They don't even have Jake Fraley starting. And I don't necessarily disagree with it. And you know, I love Jake Fraley, but they got Benson in, in right, right now. Um, Friedel in center and Steer in left. Yeah. So yeah, they're, they're just they're just deep. It does make it hard to pay a top two hundred pick for Noel Marte to bring it back to the guy we started with here. Yeah, I just yeah, I, I just I can't pay it right now. I haven't, like I said, I haven't paid it since the Candelario signing, and I don't know. I'm that willing I to lose uh, on. Yeah, I am. Too. I'm willing to lose on him if he's ready to go and people take him, and he puts up like a pick one fifty type season. Hats off, hats off to you. Uh, what about Michael Garcia in? Kansas City. You know, he came up and it was a different Michael. I know he pronounces it Michael versus Michael, but I, I was on the Michael Massey train, which by the way, I have not gotten off of that train. I uh, did, we dis- did we discuss him in second yeah, base? Yeah, we did. Uh, okay. Yeah. Th- and we both we expressed, and he's been, we expressed our, our continued love. Massey has been one of my most drafted players. Yeah, because he is not expensive. Yeah. Uh, Michael Garcia is not expensive, but at 218, you know, that that's that's a pick that matters, especially in a, a 50 team draft and hold. Four homers, seven uh four homers, twenty-three steals in the majors last year, five hundred and fifteen plate appearances. I've seen some of his proponents f- suggesting that maybe he could uh boost the batting average a good bit. 
I don't, I don't know where you're at on Michael Garcia. I haven't done a full deep dive, so I don't have a great read on him. I know he's a speedy guy who played a bunch last year, 24 years old. There's no reason not to continue to play in KC. So if he put up like a seven homer, 30 steal season, I could totally see it. But uh, is there that big batting average potential that some of his proponents have suggested for Michael Garcia in KC? Um, I don't necessarily see it, uh, but uh, you never know. Uh, but n probably not. Like he's he uh, he doesn't have bad skills. Um, he actually has pretty good skills, but they're not like he, he, at least he hasn't he hasn't shown him to be like elite skills. I think he is like a, I think he's exactly what we saw last year, which is a two seventy guy. Um, what I do think we could see from him, is, uh, from Garcia, is maybe a higher walk rate than just seven and a half percent. He is and a, and a lower strike rate, by the way. Se yeah. Seven eight percent swinging strike rate with a twenty two percent K rate. Talk about his walk rate too, because he had good ones in the minors, didn't he? Yeah, I mean he had double digit walk rates, kind of sprinkled in through the, a lot of his minor league work. Uh, and, you know, like he showed good plate skills at the major league level. We're talking about a guy who only swing, uh, swung outside of the zone uh, about a quarter of the time, which is pretty darn good, right? When yeah. usually I think 32% of swing is around league average when you're at 24%. Like, that's a pretty good idea of where the strike zone is. Uh, you mix that with an above average zone contact rate. Um, and I think you've got the makings of a really, really good young hitter uh, that could, you know, hit like 275 um, with a, a close, you know, nine to 10% uh, walk rate. And all of a sudden you're looking at a guy who's like, hey, you know, he could be like, uh, you know, 340, 350 on base kind of guy. So um, I don't think there is a ton of power in the bat, but, uh, you know, we're always kind of looking, or at least I'm always kind of looking for a guy who could be this year's Cedric Mullins, this year's TJ Friedel. And I think often people equate that with like, oh, this is a guy going outside the top 300 that, you know, is going to like, you know, break out. And don't get me wrong, like part of it is like the price that you're getting him at, but most of it is a guy that is undervalued because people don't realize that he's going to be leading off for a pretty decent team. Mm -hmm. um, and if you look at where Michael Garcia was hitting all of that, or, you know, pretty much, yeah, from, July 1st on, he only had one, uh, two, two games where he didn't lead off. From July 1st on, Michael Garcia, you say he was the leadoff in all but two games? I believe so. Um, I'm double checking uh, that I'm not missing any um, because one of the ones where he hit third, he was a pinch hitter. Um, oh, actually, one of, the, one of the ones he hit seventh, he was a pinch hitter. He only had one game and it was on July 16th where he wasn't where he played and wasn't the leadoff hitter to start the game. Like that is on a team that, you know, I know people are going to scoff at me. This is a better offensive team than people are giving it credit for. Um, I, I agree. Uh, you know, we saw Witt take another step forward. Mm -hmm. 
We're a big fan of several of the other guys there. Vinny P's coming back. We talked about Massey, Michael Garcia himself. Sal Perez is still a stalwart. I still think MJ Melendez, we haven't seen the best of his bat. Yeah. I'm a Kyle Isbell guy. Um, you know, Freddie Furman did some things, you know, batting last year too. So I don't think you're, you're out of pocket on that. And if Michael Garcia can lead off, I mean, is 40 SBs on the table? Are 40 SBs on the table? I think it could be. Um, Cause he's ran like that in the minors. Michael Garcia yeah. had 39 in 2022 between double and triple a. Um, he only had 24 games at triple a last year and, and was only four for, for seven. Um, I'm not too worried about that because then he came up and went 23 for 30 at the major league level. So could be a 40 bag type of guy. I don't think he's necessarily like, like he's not a burner. Um, you know, I think he's definitely more of a smart base dealer who has above average speed. Um, and I'll double check his sprints. Does not get caught much though. I think yeah. Michael Garcia could really have something. Yeah. I, I, I just think he is a very, you know, a, a smart athlete. Um, yeah, I mean, he's 73rd percent sprint speed. So, like, he's above totally average, fine. but yeah. he's not He's not a burner. So, I'm I'm thinking, like, I think there is a world in which he has eight, nine home runs with 30 stolen bases and a 270 batting average uh, on top of a Royals lineup in which like it's getting better. So like, we're talking like, Hey, I mean, I've seen guys on worse teams get 90 runs scored hitting on top of lineup. And I sure. think that Garcia is one of those guys that could overperform uh, because he maybe just adds a few more stolen bases from the 23 we saw last year, but he adds a boatload of runs. I'm on board with all that. I, and I think Michael Garcia is somebody I can definitely end up with. Then I can do the, uh, Michael Michael combo there later in drafts and get uh, Massey mm -hmm. and Garcia perhaps. And if you're in Yahoo League, see shortstop eligible. So bang, uh, you know you love, add that the little extra well. flavor there. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk Junior Caminero here. The Rays. We don't know. We don't know. I will say I'm pretty keen on Jose Caballero, who I believe we did talk about during that that trade. Yeah, we do have him on this. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm looking on his profile page. Yeah, we talked about it on the January 8th episode. I I am I am pretty excited about about him. I do I do think he could really get a, a lot of that uh, shortstop capability or, or playing time, I should say. Caminaro is one of the most intriguing prospects in, in baseball. He's way up there. Could be a guy who plays a lot this year, but I don't know that he's going to break camp. Does the Caballero trade? undercut your interest in Caminero? Were you not interested in him before? Where do you stand on him? Because he got that little uh, hiccup, or not hiccup, like, a, like I call it like a shot of espresso when it's not really a cup of coffee. For me, you got to play like most of September for a cup of coffee. So he got the call up and I think it was a reward call up. Here you had a great season. Come on up and hang out with the team for a little bit. Is that enough for you to be confident that that Caminero is going to make the team or be up early. And basically, are you drafting him at 222? So um, for those who don't know, uh, if you listen to the show or for any length of time, you'll know that I'm a recovering alcoholic, right? Um, 
And uh, when I uh, first got sober, before I got sober, and when I first got sober, I was a bartender. Uh, and I continued bartending for my first couple years you of really threw yourself into the fire there. Right? Like, I just, I just like, you know, hey, it's like being in a meeting, but I'm the only one who knows. Yeah. Um, so why am I telling you this? Because uh, when I... Uh, when I was in my first couple of years of sobriety and I would work at some pretty low, you know, kind of lowly bars and some holes, um, people always want to take shots with me. And so I would start my shift off by filling up shot glasses with water and soda and stuff like that. So like Kim and Ario's time was just like a little shot of water. It wasn't even a shot of espresso because espresso like makes you like pumped up and you go, Oh my God, look Absolutely. at what he did in this like sample. This was a shot of water. Um, or a shot of like diet coke or whatever um because like yes he came up but like he didn't do anything anything at all really you, you bet you barely recognize it seven yeah. games 36 point appearances a little shot of water yeah. for junior camonero one home run like you know like hey he, he got that one on and his... he, he got a homer and yeah he, like you know essentially held his own in the seven games right um Got hits only, in six of them, by the way. Yeah. He only had 81 games at double A before making this appearance. Mm -hmm. If all the Wander Franco stuff doesn't happen at the end of the season, he's not coming up. Like, he's just, this was almost desperation on the Rays part. Like, hey, we're losing steam. We could, we're going to, you know, lose this division. Like, we need, we need something. And maybe this premium prospect of ours could be the something i think he's going down to triple a like i do i just i i don't think, I think he's starting so with a team um i don't think that the trade that they made for caballero is the reason i just think that was a you know hey we need someone um you know walls may not be ready to start the season and uh yeah, we're going to need someone who can play shortstop because, and I don't think Cam and Arias, I got to play shortstop anyways. Like, I don't think he's good enough defensively at shortstop to demand that position. So, or at least not long-term. Uh, oh, so, is that right? I, th I think he's like an average defender at third. Like, I don't think he's necessarily a guy that, um, and I could be wrong, and, and I'm sure people will will tweet at me if they, uh, if they believe I'm wrong. So, uh, yeah, I'm... Uh, I think Caminaro is going back down to the minors and who knows when he comes back up. He's one of those guys that could be back. If he's crushing triple a, he'll be back up at the end of April. Uh, but I think there's also a chance in which he's not up till June. And do you want to be holding a guy like that on your roster? So uh, especially at this price. So I'm probably not drafting Caminaro anywhere uh, unless he drops in a draft, but uh, I think the future is extremely bright for the kid. Just not a guy I want necessarily in my 2024 20, teams. Yeah, that, I mean, that's where I'm at for Caminero. Um, I'll pick him up on the waiver wire after yeah. the one who drafts some cuts. In. Exactly. Because <laughs> I really do think we're going to see. It reminds a good me so of much that. of like CES and Ellie in terms of like, hey, there's really bright future, like a lot of upside. But I'll let someone else draft him and then drop them, and then I will try to grab them maybe a week or so before I think he's getting called up. Yep, because I I, I just feel like that's how it's going to go because I don't really see where Camonero forces his way in. If he does, mm -hmm. I'll pivot. Right now, I don't think I have to worry about pivoting. What about Jordan Westbrook? Talk about another great team in the AL East. 
that has a lot of talent. Now, they've got a lot more talent blocking Westberg um, than I think the Rays do. But right now, we've got Westberg penciled in as the starting second baseman. He did get plenty of playing time last year uh, at the Major League level, 228 plate appearances. So a nice little sample to kind of situate himself. Was kind of a league average type guy. Going to be age 25, too. I don't think there's any reason that he has to be blocked off. I think Westberg has a good shot to break camp and be the guy. I just point out that they have so many options because we could get bamboozled and then all of a sudden we look up and Westberg isn't making it. But I think that'd be kind of weird. If they're not going to make a trade that uh, that moves out Westberg or, or some others to kind of clear some of it, I would be a little bit surprised if he doesn't make the team. What do you think of Jordan Westberg as their... Um, as their as an everyday player for the O's, I think Westberg is the perfect accumulator. If he was in a situation that I wasn't petrified that he's not going to play full time in, he's um, playing over him though. He's twenty five. Like what? What does he gain by going back to AAA? No, I, I no. I think he's going to be in the majors. But you just like think he's gonna, not going to play. I think he's going to hit ninth, and I think he's probably going to play like five days a week, which is fine. But like, he doesn't have a carrying tool for fantasy. He need he's those, he needs to be one of those guys who like hits second in a lineup and plays a hundred and forty five games. And I think he's more like a hundred and twenty five games, and he's hitting ninth. It's a bad park. But that's why he's picked 300, too. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with the pick. I just Second, I'm third not, eligible? I'm not enthused by the profile at all. Um, okay. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with the price. I don't think there's anything wrong. Um, but, like, there's nothing that gets me, like, you know, he's a perfect DC pick. Like, yeah. if you're in a draft champions, because I think he probably will play more often than not. Uh, especially when injuries happen and things like that, like his flexibility, ability to move across the diamond over to third base, like um, is really, really interesting, but like, he's just kind of boring. And in draft champions, I like that in America, AL only leagues. I like that. Um, But in your regular fab leagues, it's nothing. I, I, I don't necessarily dislike it. I just, it's not what I'm looking for. I will say, though, I have been in plenty of drafts where he just drops, where people mm-hmm. see exactly what I'm seeing, and then you start getting him pick 350. You start going, oh, screw it. You know, dual yeah, eligible. I put him on I my bench. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, that's fine. Like, if he's not my MI or my CI, and he is a bench guy that I'm rotating both. in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if he's a bench guy that I'm bit. I'm able to kind of just rotate in when I need a guy because of injuries, um, then he becomes a little bit more interesting. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think he's like a, probably like a 12 Homer seven stolen base guy. Like that is just super boring, especially if he's hitting nine boring, but it is useful. It's production in, in those really deep formats. So, yes. and, and yeah. I love that he's, that he's, but in your 10 and 12 and teamers, like, do not draft Jordan. You don't have to. It's pick yeah. 300, right? Most of he's, those don't, don't even run that. Deep. He's a waiver wire dude. Yeah. Sure. In, in those leagues. Sure. I think that's okay. Uh, this guy might be too, then Tyler Black for the, um, oh, wow. I'm looking at this now. What? Okay. Yeah. Help me understand this guy. Why is he being drafted at 341? He's not even on the 40 man. 
in uh, Milwaukee. I know he has a lot of speed. He had 55 That's stolen it. bases last year. There you go. He's people and he walks are, a ton too. Yeah. Hyped people, on Tyler Black. Let's talk are about dreaming it. on Tyler Black. Um, are they dreaming too high in your opinion? I think so. Um, I mean, if he were to get a full-time role, like we're talking like, like this is, <laughs> this is a throwback name. You ready? Chone mm-hmm. Figgins. Oh my God. I'm, uh, I love Figgy, man. That's in like an early or mid 2000s uh, third baseman for the Mariners who had like two or three seasons of like 60 stolen bases. Uh, Does Tyler then, Black add positional eligibility like Figgins used to? Uh, yeah, I think he could play second base. Okay. Um, so I'll take second and third. Again, you get that corner and mid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I, I... I, it's hard because I don't think he's going to be up to start the year. Um, like I said, he's not on the 40 man. Uh, and the Brewers, while they don't have like anybody at third base where you go like, Oh, you know, he's blocked off by this guy. Um, I, I don't see any reason for them to put him on the 40 man. So that way they can get him up to the, to the 26 man roster, especially when, you know, Jemai Jones, who they picked up uh, and I think they like a little bit um, kind of as a bench guy, because his flexibility has zero options left. Um, so I, I don't know, like, will he find his way to the majors this year? I think there's a chance. I think it's a decent chance. And I think he becomes a really sneaky speed guy once he does. But unless, unless he goes out and kills it in spring training, I don't think he's making this team. And yeah, he put up some gaudy numbers, Tyler yeah. Black. 18 homers, 55 steals, 12 triples. Not that that's a fantasy category, but he was just stat stuffing plus, all he, over. He's never had a walk rate lower than 15.5% in the minor leagues. That's very uh, appealing, too. And he struck out a 13% rate in AAA, a 20% rate in AA last year. If So he's got you know, a pretty good hit tool of really, really good sense of where the strike zone is. Um, I don't think there's very much power, but like he could be a league average guy when he kind of finishes, you know, the power development, but there is speed. The problem is he's not a very good defender, which is very Joan, Joan Figgins like, if I'm remembering correctly. So um, Figgins a bad defender. I, I, I'm not qu- questioning I don't you remember uh, the answer in hand. I'm questioning you to question my memory. Because I thought yeah. he was pretty good, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna die on that. Was. I think he was one of those and I'm double checking kind of uh um the stats. Uh mediocre. Up and um, down seasons. He had some he had uh he had during he uh during his stretch run, he had some really good defensive seasons and some really bad defensive seasons. Okay. Um and you know, Tyler Black, we you know, you look at like the scouting report from from Eric and he's you know it's a 30 to 45 grade field. Um, so he's not like, you know, if he was like a potential for an average to above average defender, um, then you'd be like, okay, maybe we got something here with that. But the fact that he is probably a below average to average defender uh, probably doesn't help his cause, especially when I think one of the reasons they like Bryce Strang at second is because he's a good defender. Yeah, um, 
And I just keep looking at these numbers, and they're they're hot. And so, this is why, but this is why he's going where he's going. Yeah, three forty one for Tyler he, Black hasn't touched the majors. Like the market is betting on him, and I know three forty one's not a huge pick. I I understand that, but that's an investment in a DC for somebody who hasn't yeah. played in the majors yet. I think what I think what's happening is people are doing exactly what I did this off season, which was like looking through the ADP and going, "Who the hell is Tyler Black?" They're like, all right, well, I'm going to go over to Fangrass and I'm going to take a look at Tyler Black. And then you go, holy crap, um, in terms of the stolen bases. Because, like, the stolen yep. bases, like I said, I don't think there's a ton of power, at least yet. Um, you know, at best, he's, you know, league average power guy down the road. Um, but more than likely, he is, I think, more, I think he is. I think what people are dreaming on is like he he could be Cabrian Hayes. I keep saying this guy's Cabrian well, Hayes' podcast. Wait, but, wait, wait, wait. His defense is way worse. Cabrian Hayes is excellent. Oh, no, no. But I mean, from an offensive pro, a guy profile. who can make a lot of contact, uh, doesn't have great power, but there's enough, um, and uh, can steal a bunch of bases with batting average. Um, so, but. I just don't know that Tyler Black is on the roster and I don't know when he's going to be on the roster. Um, so at age 23 could make it up this year. Could easily see that might not break camp though. And if he's your, if he's your gamble guy, mm-hmm. okay. You know, or one of the few we've talked about it in the DCs don't do too many, but uh, you know, if you got a few gambles there, maybe he's one of them because you're betting on that speed It'll be interesting with Tyler Black for sure. Um, I have to pee, and you know that I can't hold it because I have an ant bladder. So Colt Keith, Keith Colt, you could just spend an hour trying to figure out which name it is. So talk about Colt Keith. It's actually Colt Keith, not Keith Cole, which you love to call him. At pick 355, also hasn't made the majors, by the way. So this is another guy who, despite not making the majors, is a relatively decent investment given that he hasn't made the majors yet, do you like Colt Keith for the uh, 2023 season in DC or 2024 season in DCs? And I'll be right back. So I think that a guy like Colt Keith or Keith Colt, depending on how you're feeling that day um, and Tyler Black for that matter is a really good uh, example of like, Hey, there's some massive drop offs at third base and at some point, you kind of run out of options. So instead of going to the Yon Moncadas of the world or the DJLA Mayus of the world, people are going to Tyler Black and they're going to Cold Keith to uh, kind of find lightning in a bottle. You know, hey, if this guy makes some majors, especially early on, like there's a chance like he could be really, really interesting. He had 13 home runs, stole one base uh, with a 287, 369, 521 triple slash, uh, 11% walk rate and a sub 20% strikeout rate. Like, I think the skills on Colt Keith are actually really, really interesting. The question is, when is Colt Keith up? Uh, I mean, maybe I that's know. a better question for you I'm being bad. a Tigers fan. Uh, but they also have what, Justin Henry Malloy, who's in the minor yep. leagues. Uh, they also have Chase Young, who's in the minor leagues. Like, you know, when are these guys coming up and which guy comes up first is a question that I don't really have the answer for. I've taken some gambles on Colt Keith because I do think there is a ton of upside uh, with a guy. Love have, like, yeah, like I think he 
I think he could be very Josh Young. So he plays with, you know, brother of Josh Young, Chase Young. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he could be very Josh Young-esque, which is a guy that, um, you know, has a decent batting average, hits for power. But unlike Josh Young, he walks, which is even better. So ah, I just think there's, I think there is a chance he is on that uh, Colt Keith is on the opening day roster. I think there's also a chance that he's not up till June. So it's kind of a little bit of a gamble. Depends uh, on how well he plays a triple A when he goes back. You know, he spent two months yeah. there, did well. Um, we'll see. We'll see if he gets, you know, the, the, the chance outright at in spring. You mentioned those names that 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 could make that difficult for him, and that is definitely true. You know, Matt Veerling is still somebody that I think they have some interest yep. in, and maybe he plays third. So it's kind of a cluster right now. But I think I think Keith is somebody who can hit his way through, and a huge spring, I do think would would bring him to the forefront uh, as somebody who could break camp. Three fifty five. I am okay paying it. Again, it would be in my here's my four gambles. Um, yeah. or whatever number I set for myself, Keith would have to be one of them because he doesn't have a spot right now. And I just, I don't know. Uh, I, I would probably the, just take the next guy though. Can we bring in Brett Beatty here and just yeah. say that he goes literally the next pick. Why wouldn't I just take him? And obviously, you Absolutely. know, I'm not even using my tiger's bias here. I'm, I'm moving away from the tiger to go with the, with the Met. Why wouldn't I just take Beatty who has a better Avenue to the playing time, even if it's not locked, loaded, and set for 2024. What do you think of Beatty with New York after uh, what he did last year, which was have some ups and downs? A lot of downs, yeah. by the way. One of the things I was going to say on Keith, um, which I think kind of tells you why you should maybe probably take uh, take Brett Beatty over him, is like, you know, Keith had about 300 plate appearances at every level. Um, right. So you had about 300 plate appearances, a high A got moved up 300, you know, 206 or 76 plate appearances, a double A got moved up. And then he finished with 301 plate appearances. So there is a chance. I think he gets moved up to the majors, but Brett Beatty had 389 plate appearances at the majors. Uh, and the Mets don't have anybody else that really should be playing third base for them. Now I say should be as opposed to, uh, can, yeah, because the Mets seemingly treated Brett Beatty not like a top prospect last year, but by but like a guy who slept with someone's sister. <laughs> um, well, now it's a different front office, so whoever's sister he slept with is gone. Um, and I think Beatty is the kind of guy that is a perfect post-type sleeper, a guy that everybody was really, really excited yep. about coming into last year that struggled in his first go-around and is now a little bit forgotten about. Uh, I like Brett Beatty a lot this year. I think there's a ton of power in that bat. I think he's going to get opportunity. Um, you know, I don't know that he's ever going to be like a plus batting average guy, but I could see him being like a 250 dude, yeah, 255 guy. And I think there's 30 home runs in that bat. So um, I'm with yeah, you. I'm, I'm grabbing a lot of Brett Beatty this year. I co-sign all of that with Beatty. I'm just stretching out my legs for anybody watching the YouTube. I'm standing up. Um, it's it's a very good view of you. Yeah, it's it's like my from my neck down to yeah. my thigh. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's your real, neck, real your good knees, look here. Right? Yeah. Here we can we can tilt the camera up there if you guys really want to see me. But um, no, I'm I'm with you on, on Beatty, and I, I just want him. Now I will ask you this, and this I think this is a fair question. 
if his name was Keith Colt, would that change your outlook? <laughs> Why no, no, Justin always calls him the wrong name. I'm just wondering yeah. if he was the name you thought he was, would you like him more? You know what the funny part is? Um is that uh I didn't even catch the fact that he switched her name switched Keith Colt's name there because I'm so used to calling That's him. Not, Colt that, yeah, that, that really um, underscores the point is that you just don't know. Uh no, let's move let's move on. Let's go to Ezekiel Durant. Am I like, listen, I wasn't even the biggest Zeke Duran guy, like during the hype periods that he got last year, but he put up 439 point appearances of a 107 WRC plus. So a bit above league average, 14 homers, eight steals. I know it came with a 27% K rate and 5% walk. That's a bad plate approach, but he's 25. Why is he almost pick 400? What am I missing here? Are they just thinking that he's going to get run out by Langford or something? Is that, should he still be pick 400 in that case? It's 395. But what do you think of Zeke Duran? Um, I think part of the issue is he started to lose playing time last year at kind of towards the end of the season. Like he was pretty much, Duran was pretty much an everyday player for a vast majority of the first part of the season. And then as the season kind of went on and regression hit, uh, he became more of a part-time kind of guy uh, where like in the last two weeks of the season, he played four times. Um, and Is that a lack of lefties or just a lack of interest in him? I think a little you don't bit have to of look both. It up. He, he, he was yeah. not playing as much and that is definitely yeah. an issue. And so I think there is some, some risk that, um, he kind of moves into a super utility role where yep. he's a guy who can play every position. Like he can play short, he can play third, he can play second, he can play the outfield. Right. Um, but that he isn't strong enough anywhere and the plate skills aren't amazing, uh, to kind of force the team to play him regularly where he could turn into a 330 plate appearance guy, uh, which just doesn't move the needle. And so, yes, he's multi-pitchable eligible. Um, he did have 400 plus plate appearances last year, but he kind of had the opposite story of what you're looking for is you're looking for a young guy who only had 400 plate appearances because at the beginning of the year, he didn't have a role as opposed to at the end of the year, which is Duran's issue is where he didn't have a role. And that is likely, or that could be very likely to continue uh, coming into 2024. I think that makes a lot of sense um, with Duran. I still think that 400 might be a pretty fair pick for him. I think it um, could be as well. Are you interested? So you are, you have some interest in him there? I have a little bit of interest in him there. You know, I mean, but, you know, if you want to, if you want to see the story, just go look at his splits page. Um, first half, he had 12 home runs with a, 30, a 308 batting average. Second half, he had two home runs with a 226 batting average. Ooh. Really hot to start. They gave him the playing time. But as soon as he cooled off, he lost the playing time. And I think that is kind of the position the Rangers are in because they've got so much talent in that offense that like, hey, yeah, if he's running hot, he can play. Um, and yeah. because he's so flexible, he can play everywhere. Uh, but if he goes back to being kind of what he was in the second half, he's not going to play. That's fair. And like I said, Langford chasing behind could take that DH spot that we currently have Duran penciled into. 
it could be tough to find that PT. And then he becomes maybe less of a super util and just a regular util, meaning it's three times a week, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't think he's a bad pick. I think all this risk for Duran is covered at pick 395. So if you like him, feel free to go for him. But there is heavy risk. You're not stealing somebody, I don't believe. I think you're getting somebody yeah. that the market is maybe maybe over overestimating the risk a little bit. Maybe he's... 333 maybe that's the better pick for ezekiel durant but take the discount move on and enjoy um go back to tampa bay here curtis mead at pick 448 he's somebody i really like i think the dude can just hit now he is one of those utility types that they kind of slot at some spots because he's not very good at any of them first third he might have a little second and so it might not even be that mm -hmm. much utility the bottom line is he doesn't have much defense but he can swing it is Curtis Mead somebody who could be pushing for some PT this year in Tampa Bay? He did get 92 plate appearances last year. About a league average guy, nothing to write home about for 95, 92 plate appearances. But what do you think of Curtis Mead this year? Uh, Curtis Mead reminds me of like uh, a right-handed Daniel Murphy, like a guy who's just um, like we know he can swing the bat. Um, you know, there's, I think, a pretty good hit tool and a fair amount of power in the profile, but I just don't know where his defensive home is. And, uh, and on a team like the Rays that like good defense, uh, especially in the infield, I just have a really hard time seeing where he is going to play regularly, especially for the first half of the season. And so when we talk, do they want, like they love Harold Ramirez. Like, True. Um, like True. I, I just both righties I, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's kind of got the same fate as Junior Caminaro, which is he's going to go back down to the minor leagues, and he you he's know, four years older though. Yeah, and I, and I do. Oh, think wait, wait, that, no, no. I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt you. I interrupt you back to back times there. Uh, he's 22. I was looking at his 24 games played. Uh, that makes him one year he's, older. He's 20. Curtis Me is 23. Um, so he's going into his age 23 season. What's yeah. Caminaro going into? Age 21? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Caminaro's so, really old. Yeah. Oh, no, he's going into his age 20. So it is three years. Yeah. I think I said four. So, I so it is a big Mead, age difference. I think Mead is up first. Okay. Um, but Caminaro is a better defender, um, even True. with what I said about his, you know, I don't think Caminaro should be playing shortstop. But Caminaro uh, is definitely a better defender. Uh, and I think Mead, he needs to figure out a defensive home, whether that's going to be third base, which has kind of been his natural position, or second base, which is a position that he's kind of toyed around a little bit. Um, but I think one of the reasons he was up was, again, the injuries, right? They, um, you know, they lost Wander Franco, then they had, you know, injuries to a guy like uh, Brandon Lau. And so they were like, hey, we just need a body, and maybe this could be a spark plug kind of guy for us. Uh still think eventually they will figure out a home for him uh, and that he's going to be a very good player. And if you look at most prospect lists, he's still in the top 20 of most people's, you know, top hundred prospect list for, for MLB. And so uh, like, I think it gets figured out at some point. So I'm not down on him necessarily, but for this year, uh, he's not a guy I'm drafting necessarily. 
that's not that's not uh, out of pocket there. As much as I like Mead, I'm not necessarily getting him everywhere either. At 448, I'll take my shot here and there, but I usually try to do three, maybe four DCs. I might have him on one. Michael Bush, we talked about him during his trade. We are excited. I just want to give an update that uh, there's only been one draft, one DC that's finished since he's been traded, and he went 362. His ADP since Christmas is 482. So there you go. There's a 120 pick jump. It might go even higher than that. I forget what we speculated his price might jump to. Where are you comfortable buying Michael Bush? That is a really good question. I had somebody, um, uh, and I'm putting on his first name, so I apologize, uh, uh, but he's a new writer over at Razzball, uh, last name Kelder. Um, you know what? I'm going to give him a shout out. While you're looking uh, that up, I will Twitter point out handle. that I do see some other drafts that aren't DCs that are in that same range, 344, 325, 333, 345. This is Michael Bush we're talking about here. Yeah, so he's, he's going to uh, go into the mid-300s. Go ahead. What his, was the guy's his, name? His 80, his 80, Michael Bush's ADP in the Ritterware Online Championship, which are, you know, one-night drafts, right, um, uh, is pick 350. Uh, there you go. So, so mid-300s for Bush. Um, are are you comfortable paying that? Um, I, yeah, I think I am. Um, I, you know, and uh, uh, this guy um, who I can't find his Twitter handle. I'm going to try to find it before the end of the episode. Okay. Um, he uh, he asked me like, see a top twenty five third baseman for you mm. right now, uh, which insinuates it might be for him. Um, and I I kind of like the spicy take, but. And I, you know, as much as I've loved Michael Bush in the past, um, I think there is a reasonable chance he platoons. Uh, and I think there's also a reasonable chance he's not really playing very much. Like, and so, like, I, while I, I want to get excited not. and in his free Michael Bush season, like, they got guys there. Like, you know, um, I'm getting excited. I don't care. I know you are, but like, I also want to temper my expectations. So far, the market hasn't gone crazy. Like, I'm fine with it. No, mid 300s. Yeah, like Eugenio Suarez um, is the 25th ranked short uh, third baseman. So to give you an idea of of where where and that feels like not a fair level because Eugenio Suarez is going to play every day. He doesn't have to be at that level though, right? That's not the price that he's coming at. Yeah. So the guy from Rasball is saying, could he get there? Even if you agree, you don't have to pay that. You're paying the 33rd type level you know mid mid to early, early to mid 30s uh third baseman off the board even with the elevated pick price at mid 300s for michael bush so even if you do agree with him and you say yeah i think he could get up to that level that's okay because you're not paying that full premium and i don't think he'll get up i don't think michael bush will get up to suarezian prices i i mean i hope not because if he does like that's an insanity but um I do like uh, I do like the upside, man. And like he's one of these guys that all he's really needed was an opportunity. Michael Bush is he's not a good defender at all, and so like I really do question some of uh, some of his ability to stay on the field regularly if sure. you care about the defense. And I think that they probably do. And um, yeah, he's, my big concern is what happens when like Cody Bellinger resigns in a place like Chicago, because not that like they're vying like for the same position or anything, obviously, but 
uh, it's just one less spot. And like, you know, Cody Ballinger comes in and is playing center, which means that maybe Talkman goes to DH, which means Morrell goes to third base. Isn't Talkman a good defender? Yeah, or or Cody Ballinger, you know, goes to wherever. You know, just like takes, it's just he would just maybe just take first. Yeah, takes first. And who is who do they have projected at first right now? Bush. Oh, yeah. Then he just Bush directly loses, takes like, yeah, Bush's he, he job. Just did them. Um, I was thinking Bush at third. So And in um, the same mining the news that I referenced earlier, they the Cubs, uh, Jeff had a piece about the Cubs talking about how Morell's gonna play. That his bat is too good not to play. Um, so they want to play him consistently. My yeah. question is, do they they can use him? I'm not saying he wouldn't add to the team, but do they really still need Cody Bellinger? I don't think they need him. Because they're pretty uh, horny for Talkman. I personally, if I was running the team, I would just get him and Talkman goes to the bench. Yeah, absolutely. But they I let think, him lead off like the entire second half. Yeah, which is like, they ridiculous. like him a lot. Maybe maybe Mike Talkman is this year is Cedric Mullins. Um, so, <laughs> there you go. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm just I'm very excited and I want to get hyped, but there's this other part of me, um, which is my fantasy baseball conscience, that goes, "Be careful, be careful!" Like this, this feel, this feels like a trap. It absolutely feels like a trap. I think that's completely fair to say. Yeah. The only thing I will say that covers that is the price. Yeah. So it might yeah, be. It's it's not a bad price at all right now. Um, yes. So at like, least I'm, we don't have to pay much to find out on Bush, even with the elevated cost. Now, if it keeps going and then let's say he has a nice spring and so it jumps even further, you know, if, if, we, if we start to see all that sort of stuff add up, okay, well, then we're on a different level with michael bush but right now in that mid 300s range i'm still going to take my shots and i'll probably have them on multiple teams so uh last guy here at the youth movement before we kind of open it up for anybody else kobe mayo 515 way down the list but is he considering are you considering him for your dcs he's not on the 40 um he's age 22 season this year played at double and triple a basically split them in half Actually, a little bit more at AA, 78 games, 62 at, at AAA. But, you know, nice two-level season in the high minors. Did well at both. Takes a lot of walks. Has some punch. Can Kobe Mayo break through this year? Or is there just too many too many players there to really feel confident about that for Kobe Mayo? Uh, I, I mean, I think it's really hard to kind of figure out, like, where the playing time comes from. That being said, like, he he's not like some of these other Baltimore prospects like the Jordan Westbergs, um, where I go, this guy doesn't have a carrying tool of fantasy. He had, he absolutely, Kobe Mayo definitely has a carrying tool of fantasy. It is the power. Uh, there is some speed in the profile, but it's like, Hey, if he can hit for a league average, batting average, um, it's going to come with a ton of power. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I think that there is, a chance that he breaks through pretty early on in the season. I don't know that he's going to make the majors to start the year, but he could like, there is like, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's shown really, really good plate skills, you know, 15% walk rates in double A AA and triple A uh, in 2023 with, you know, 23, 25% strikeout rates. Like, you know, it's not egregious for the kind of power that he projects to have like i think kobe mayo um has the ability to hit 
30 plus homers if he got 600 plate appearances. The question is, how many plate appearances can we reasonably project for him? So he is a guy that I would definitely take a dart throw on if I needed power kind of in a draft champions. Yep, I think that's uh, that's something that I can definitely get behind with Kobe Mayo. Now, open it up to the anyone else here. I mean, I could have made some more tiers, but things really, really just kind of open up after this with a lot of different players that I can carve out areas of intrigue for. You're looking at like DJ LeMahieu, Chris Taylor, Yohan Mankata, and Matt Veerling still in that 371 to 385 range. Zach McKinstry did some things last year. He had some appeal when he was stealing, pick 406. Nick Senzel, pick 416. Now in Washington, uh, Anthony Rendon. I mean, if he got any health, maybe there's a dead cat bounce. I don't know. Maybe some guys I haven't listed here. W- where else you look? Actually, before I give you the floor, I want on, on players to name, I want to ask you about LeMahieu. Are you taking the shot on LeMahieu at 371? Yes, we already had this pizza? conversation. We first. did, didn't we? Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I, it felt for familiar when I asked. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, uh, I just took him in a league, so it mu- I must have been influenced by that because I was like, yeah, yeah. This, feels, this feels good. Okay, so move on from LeMahieu then. Uh, first off, any of these guys on this list you want to highlight before I give you the option to bring up others? And no, and not really, and there's not really others. I mean, maybe Jose Miranda, like, like later on, like, you know, maybe he figures it back out again or something like that. But I mean, I think this is the reason why, and I, I kind of mentioned this briefly um, when you were going to the bathroom, when we were talking about uh, uh, Colt Keith, um, Keith. You said Colt. it right. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say it the both ways every time now. Um, is that the reason why guys like him uh, are going kind of like a little bit higher than maybe you would expect by the fact that we don't know that where the playing time's coming from is because after you get past them, there isn't very much that's interesting. Like there this is, is why a lot I cut of it off so quickly. Yeah, and, and this I, is I, who are boring, these boring production or guys that um, you know might have playing time but probably will lose playing time or don't have playing time. And I think this is. While third base, I think, is better than maybe last year, the drop-offs are steep. And if you don't get your third baseman um, uh, or your backup third baseman in a DC like early enough, you're going to be in some pain. And so um, this is why some of the other third basemen are going a little bit higher than maybe they quote-unquote deserve to because the back end of the pool sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree, and that that's what surprised me here. As I was looking through things, I was like, "Ugh, this yeah. drops." And then I just I don't care about any of these guys here. They're all so similarly blah. And you can find some crusty veterans. You can find some uh, post type guys like a Nick Senzel if you want to get into that. Uh, some mid tier kind of yeah, I don't know. He could be fine types. Um, any love for Mankata? I mean, it's been too. Love really. playing time years now too. Uh, okay, last one I'll mention then. What about Jared Triolo? Played a decent bit last year. I feel like uh, maybe they can have him as a utility. We currently do not have him penciled in at roster resource after 209 plate appearances last year for the 26-year-old. He struck out a lot, but he took walks. I kind of feel like he could be a volume guy for them. Um, I got to do this quick because I unfortunately have to okay, uh, no problem. run. Yeah. But I feel like I feel like Pittsburgh's got a few of these kind of guys, and Mm -hmm. what you know, Trill may have like an opportunity 
be kind of the first guy to get playing time. Um, uh, I think that they, they've got G1 Bay, they've got Connor Joe, they've got like they've got a lot of these guys who can play multiple positions, but are, probably aren't particularly very good. Um, and I worry about the strikeout rate with him. So uh, I, I think he's one of those guys you take a shot on and you'll know really, really quickly if he's playing or not. If he's playing once or twice a week, then you just drop, move on to the next one. Pick 549 too. So you're not really yeah. investing too much there in Jared Trio. All right, then you got to get to work. Great talking with you. Keep safe with the storm coming and everything. I hope will. everything goes well for y'all. Power stays on. You and I'll be back on Monday talk in another position. I don't know which one yet. Talk to you later. Take it easy.